Every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m., WRFL invites you to office hours, real-world conversations with UK professors. No appointment necessary. Representing the 16 colleges across campus, Office Hours brings professors from every corner of UK to share their adventures in academia. Go beyond the syllabus and learn more about the people behind the research. We'll be demystifying higher education one interview at a time. Stop by every Wednesday afternoon. Office Hours is available online via wrfl.fm or on the airwaves on 88.1 FM, Radio Free Lexington. Hi everyone, welcome to Office Hours on 88.1 WRFL, Radio Free Lexington. I'm your host, Sarah Schutze, here with Boardmaster Brian Connors Minky. Hi, Brian. I was get him off. Try to catch me off guard. <laughs> yeah. I was I'm here, though. I'm really You're here. there. I'm You're really there. Welcome, everyone. We, um, and Brian and I are going to be right here in May and June, but you do not have to be. And that's kind of the theme of today's show, as it has been in the last couple of shows. Traveling abroad, studying abroad. So our guests today, uh, we'll be talking with them about that. So we have today some wonderful guests, Anthony Ogden from the Education Abroad Office. Hi, Anthony. Hello. And we also have Professor Ernie Yanarella from Political Science. Welcome. Glad to be here. Would you two mind just starting us off by introducing yourselves? Sure. I'm Ernie Yanarella. I'm Professor and Chair of the Department of Political Science. Uh, I teach generally in the area of uh, political theory and, and public policy. Uh, I've been here since my 45th year, and I've really enjoyed uh, at least 44 of those years. <laughs> at least a couple five years, not so good. <laughs> Hello, my name is uh, Tony Ogden. I'm the Director of Education Abroad here at UK. This is only my fifth year, I should say. I also, <laughs> I also have the pleasure of teaching international education policy in the College of Education. And I want to point out that there's probably no direct connection between your five years of not great time here and, <laughs> and, and Tony's five years. No. There's no overlap. They're not related at all, I'm sure. So I want to um, apologize for possibly saying erroneously study abroad instead of education abroad, which is the title of the of the of the um, office, the department. What is what? What is the difference between those terms, if there is any? I'm glad you asked that question, because it's an important distinction nowadays. I think at one point, maybe 10 years or so ago, education abroad and study abroad were synonymous, Mm -hmm. but that has since changed. Now, education abroad is more often considered an umbrella term that includes multiple experience types. Study abroad being the most common, where students go abroad to take courses that are counted toward their degrees uh, or their degree progress back here at home. But now we also have intern abroad, where students can do international internships, service learning abroad programs, where students can do various forms of service learning throughout the world, credit bearing. We also have research abroad, where students are doing undergraduate and sometimes graduate research, whether in lab settings or in field research types of settings as well. And then finally, we also offer teach abroad programs mm. for students in the College of Education, but also uh, other types of students who want to be in educational settings abroad. I, when I was looking over the different programs, I was really mm-hmm. impressed and you know, excited for students at the variety of programs that are available. They're really internships and all different kinds of places to travel to. It's really right. quite right. an impressive array. And Ernie, you're leading a course, a mm-hmm. program, a class, a trip. Would you mind t- telling us about sure. that? Sure. Um, I'm teaching in a four-week uh, stint at Chanteau University. Uh, I'll have both uh, Chanteau students 
and UK students who will be involved uh, in this uh, program. Uh, the program involves two courses, one which I will teach and the other which the Dean of Liberal Arts, uh, Terry Bodenhorn, will be teaching. Uh, they're, they're really connected in important ways because they, they both uh, are organized around environmentalism and sustainability. I'll be teaching a course on uh, Shantou, China as a living urban laboratory uh, uh, looking toward solutions for some of its basic urban problems. Terry will be teaching a course on the evolution of environmentalism in China. We'll have some um, uh, field trips that we'll uh, undertake. Uh, uh, and so students who sign up for this program will get a total of six credits, three credit hours for each of these courses. It's a lot and an exciting trip, but also to get so much so many credit hours for, towards your degree really makes it, you know, even more valuable. Very much so. I, uh, I'll, be, I'll be teaching the, the course that will involve some aspects of research methods uh, and their application. Uh, uh, at the present time, I'm hoping to get about six research teams f targeting one significant urban problem. Uh, for example, traffic. Uh, mm -hmm. Chinese are notorious for being seemingly reckless drivers. And, really? Uh, uh, it, 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 makes, it makes Lexington seem look like, to, to look like a <laughs> pussycat by comparison. Um, and so what we're going to do is, is uh, what this team will do, will be to explore some of the background conditions and causes of this kind of, um, of, uh, of driving and then propose some solutions. Terrific. So some, some one of those more hands-on, you know, kinds of programs that Tony was describing, uh, more of a creative or um, innovative sort of model. Yeah, I hope so. I'm actually very excited about this particular program because it is a slight departure in the types of programming we have done in recent years, and that is where we are truly partnering with a local university and sharing and, and cold sharing, if you will, the different types of, well, the, the academic offerings mm -hmm. and having our students not studying abroad only with other UK students or only with other international students, but in classrooms alongside their Chinese peers. So it's a really interesting uh, approach and we're really excited about it. That's amazing. What, go ahead. I, I was going to say, let me uh, underline the fact that the course will be taught entirely in English. Yeah. The Shanto students have been studying uh, uh, English, uh, have developed a level of proficiency over a course of some 12 years. Um, uh, and so uh, th those courses will be taught in English. The fact that we're putting together uh, both UK students and Shanto students into individual teams I think is an asset because this will overcome the, 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 the language problem because mm -hmm. uh, many of these students will be able to teach the native, uh, will be able to look, uh, to talk in the native uh, tongue and they will they will take the lead uh, among Shanto students uh, with the uh, downtown local government officials. That's an incredible option. I think as if I were a student that the language would be intimidating because I have no background in Chinese but having someone there to work with already to guide you through it is ideal. Well that's not to say that students won't learn Chinese. They certainly will uh, in context on campus and in the sure. community. It is, is, is an interesting place to visit and to study Chinese. Ernie and I had the opportunity to visit there last fall 
Mm -hmm. And I think we picked up a few words of Chinese, too. And I'm hoping that in the course of this program, our students will learn more about Chinese culture, more about Chinese language, so as not just to understand the discipline, but understand it in its Chinese dimensions mm -hmm. as well. Tell us about your trip last fall. Um, we went to uh, Hong Kong and then on to uh, Shantou to uh, advance an exchange agreement that uh, had been in process over the previous two years between uh, our dean at the University of Kentucky and the uh, dean of the College of Liberal Arts at Shantou. Um, uh, we really got down to brass tacks, which is to say Tony got down to brass tacks, <laughs> and uh, I learned a great deal about what can and, and cannot be uh, done. Uh, after that, uh, uh, the Dean of uh, Liberal Arts from Chanteau came here, and, uh, and uh, he and uh, our Dean finalized the, uh, the agreement, and that's the basis then for this uh, particular program. Seemingly then there would be future programs with Shantou University as well? Is that kind well of maybe let thinking? me just clarify a little sure. bit. Uh, we have multiple program types as well. In addition to that umbrella that I mentioned earlier yeah. about education abroad, we have faculty-directed programs, such as the program that we're talking about mm -hmm. now to run in China this summer. We also have exchanges, and that is where we essentially trade students. And so the agreement that we went out there last fall to negotiate was a bilateral exchange agreement, basically where one UK student will study there and one Chinese student from Shantou University will come here to study. So essentially we're trading students, and that what that means is that a UK student will pay whatever they normally pay as far as his or her tuition is here currently, but will then physically study at, on the campus of Shantou University. So essentially that actually removes the cost barrier that is oftentimes right. uh, associated with education abroad. So if a student can afford to be here, they can certainly afford to be on an exchange program somewhere mm -hmm. else in the world. We're really excited about Shantou in particular because it's our first exchange in, in China, our first bilateral exchange of its kind. And it's in an area of China that's outside of the major urban centers of Shanghai and Beijing. Shantou is in southwestern China, a couple of hours, uh, a few hours, I suspect, by train. We, we flew from Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's in that vicinity there. It's um, rural by Chinese, uh, by, our, uh, by Chinese standards, I suppose, very urbanized by <laughs> ours. Um, but it is a very different part of China, and I think it would be an exciting area to, to live and study if I were a, a student today. Mm-hmm. In important respects, it's, it's, it's a an example of the real China. Uh, once you move out of the uh, huge towering cities like Beijing and, and Shanghai, uh, you have an opportunity to see how, m how millions and millions of Chinese outside of urban centers live. Now, uh, uh, Shantou, by our standards, is large. It has five million people. That's uh, large, yes. You know, <laughs> uh, on the other hand, it's much. it sprawls a bit okay. more, and um, uh, it, it doesn't have the same kind of urban form that, say, Shanghai has or, or Beijing. Uh, it's going to be a marvelous experience for students, both because of their opportunity to, to work on some urban problems that uh, have proved to be very difficult for local urban planners to, uh, to solve, but also because they'll have the opportunity to, uh, to live predominantly on an on a absolutely beautiful campus that, that marries both the natural beauty and uh, architectural beauty. Excellent. 
Let's take a short break. Come right back for more office hours. That is students and teachers of the Chanteau Opera School with the song Selling Groceries, which, you know, you've got to do no matter where you are in the world. So uh, back to Sarah and our esteemed guest here on WRFL and Office Hours, the show with the most brain power per ounce. That's guaranteed. That's guaranteed. Welcome back to Office Hours. I'm your host, Sarah Schutze, here with Brian Connors Mankey on the board. And we have two wonderful guests here with us today, Ernie Yanarella of Political Science and Tony Ogden of Education Abroad. So we've been talking about um, a program that Ernie's running, taking students to Chanteau University in May. Um, check out the website on Education Abroad's website about this class if you are even a little bit curious and everybody listening should be a little bit curious and want to explore this trip which is phenomenal um so let's let's talk a little bit about study abroad education abroad a little bit more generally for people who maybe haven't explored that option or thought about it um when is it a good time for students to think about traveling abroad education abroad Terrific. Um, let me just add a, just a little background to sure. that before I answer that, if you don't mind. And that is, here at UK, education abroad is growing really dramatically. And it is growing across the country as well. About 300,000 U.S. students studied abroad for credit last year across the country. That's incredible. And the graduating class of 2015 here at UK, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, 2014 here at UK, nearly 15% of that wow. class had earned credit abroad via an education abroad wow. program. This year... Um, if all goes as projected, we'll have over 1,200 UK students that will have studied abroad this academic year for credit. Fantastic. So it's becoming a very integral part of an undergraduate experience. And students are um, on their way to Kentucky are, are looking at uh, institutions like ours and, uh, with regard to what education abroad offerings mm-hmm. that we have. As a reason to choose UK. And yeah. And, and they are yeah. for that reason, and we know that uh, that our projected increases will continue to climb because students are realizing that it's important not just to understand the world, but their place in the world mm-hmm. and their discipline in context of of the world. Mm-hmm. So it's important not just to understand political science, but to understand international dimensions of political science. It's not just important to study various sciences without understanding the networks abroad and so forth. And that's why we see growth in in research abroad, uh, intern service learning, and so forth, as we discussed earlier. Um, most of the UK students who study abroad uh, do so pretty much in their junior year currently. Okay. Um, that said, we do see more and more underclassmen studying abroad. I learned today that a, a great number of honors students as rising sophomores are looking to get a pre-education abroad program in the summer Mm -hmm. um, so as to support their studies going forward into their uh, later years. Mm -hmm. So yes, we're seeing a great uh, great increase and at all levels of of undergraduates. Now that said, we also see a lot of uh, students in in graduate students as well as professional students also seeking international opportunities while they're students here. Mm -hmm. Great. And not all of the programs certainly have a language requirement, right? I think maybe the assumption is that these are all programs that you you go you travel when you have mastered a language, and this is sort of the ultimate test, right? The the arrival of of your knowledge of a language, but this is really not. A lot of the programs have nothing to do with kind of mastery of language. Well, that, that's true, and certainly we have programs in mul- that sure. offer language. 
Uh, we have a program, for example, in Jordan this summer just for students to study Arabic intensively. But language doesn't have to be a barrier as well. We have programs, for example, in Japan in engineering or in Turkey for engineering students and so on, all taught in English. So certainly language doesn't have to be a barrier, but we do offer programs for students who are wanting to uh, in, enhance their language proficiencies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what what um, stage in their careers, Ernie, do you expect students traveling with you on this trip to be at? Well, I'm, I'm hoping for uh, students who are predominantly juniors, mm -hmm. maybe seniors, um, some very good sophomores, I think, would be uh, eligible. Uh, this is a big step, going to, uh, to China, to uh, a southern, southeastern uh, trading port, um, uh, intermixing with uh, largely first-generation Chinese students who've been drawn from uh, the region uh, to uh, Shantou as a, their next step in, in their education. Uh, so that's really uh, the a great opportunity that's presented to to our UK students. Mm -hmm. uh, Ernie, maybe you could talk a little bit about how much you've seen students um, be transformed through education abroad and those experiences, and and Tony too, um, a little bit about uh, how much goes into that and how much it affects them in general. Well, I think one of the, one of the first things that that uh, students really gain in terms of maturity and intellectual development is uh, a greater appreciation of different cultures. China, bear in mind, is not merely a nation state. It's a civilization. It, it talks, you know, its, it's inhabitants, its uh, educators talk about a 5,000 year history and tradition. Um, and so you know, confronting that uh, really uh, helps them to suspend a kind of Eurocenter or West, Western-centered uh, world uh, world outlook. Uh, the 21st century is either going to be the century of China or it's going to be the century of, of global economic uh, ecological catastrophe. It might be both. <laughs> uh, so we need to be prepared for that, and I think our students need to uh, uh, be to experience. Uh, uh, China uh, in its uh, in its uh, generality, very modern in some ways, and its uniqueness, very very rural and uh, 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 caught up in a, a long civilizational um, uh, culture. Mm -hmm. That's certainly one thing. I think as well, um, uh, you know, the, the sensitivity to different cultures and different traditions and different habits. Um, I, I was reading a. a, a, a a travelogue on China because I was interested in uh, what they had to say about traffic and being a, a, a pedestrian and so forth. Uh, and uh, one of the things that it emphasized was that you really need to be um, aware of those idiosyncrasies uh, in China that are really far afield of what we, uh, what we expect uh, and what is part of our everyday habits. So that's another important uh, thing as well. Fantastic. If I can just add to that, over, over the years, uh, more and more U.S. students are looking outside of Europe for their destination of study. It has generally been that uh, Europe, 60% or so are, of, of U.S. students studying abroad do so in Europe, uh, the U.K., Italy, Spain, France, and so forth. But now the fifth most popular destination for all U.S. students, and here at U.K. as well, is China. 
Huh. Uh, the, our government, through President Obama's 100,000 Strong Initiative for China, is intensifying um, the need uh, or explaining the need to study in China, to learn Chinese language, and so forth for all the reasons that uh, Ernie has offered. It's, it's important for, for these reasons. I might also say that in addition to Ernie's uh, program in Shantou, we also offer a Chinese language program mm -hmm. uh, outside of Shanghai, and we have done so for no, a number of years. That program is, all, is amazingly very popular because students are studying Chinese. They are um, looking outside of China as well, for, um, looking outside of those traditional disciplines to also public health, for example. We have a program in Sichuan, China this summer just for public health students to study huh. there, and then they will also spend some time in, in Beijing to, to look at issues there. So the opportunities are there. So back to your question, so what, what is transformative? And students study abroad for a whole host of reasons. I think those reasons have gradually changed a little bit. I, I think it might have once been uh, about business, doing business in the world. We saw that in the 80s and 90s with Japan and so forth. Uh, now, then, then it transferred a little bit more to intercultural learning. But now I definitely see it expanding much more in the areas of the discipline, all of which leads toward getting a better job mm -hmm. or doing well in one's career path. I think that's really the intention uh, of most conversations these days that we have with students. Mm -hmm. There's also students that are at uh, um, their early phase of their adult lives. What a time to explore, learn new things, hands-on, experience different cultures, different ways of seeing the world than, than an experience like this. Of course, it leads to professional development in many ways and personal enhancement, but I'm sure just the, the, the kind of experience the desire to expand oneself, one's horizons. Well, we, we, we do certainly see evidence that potential employers look to students who have education abroad experience. Mm -hmm. We see potential graduate school admissions officers looking for students who have language and international experience in their disciplines and so forth. So, yeah, there's certainly an impact that's very tangible and measurable. Yeah, I'd like to emphasize that, that my course and the... Um, uh, the course that uh, Terry Bodenhorn will be teaching is it's not they're not political science courses mm -hmm. per se they they're really interdisciplinary uh, courses uh, 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 students who are here and are majoring in architecture uh, in um, uh, geography anthropology uh, philosophy uh, all sociology all would benefit from the opportunity to uh, participate in this particular course uh, because they're going to find aspects of their major that will provide them with the opportunity to discern what's similar and what's different in terms of their experience as Americans in China. Fantastic. Let's take a short break. We'll come back for more Office Hours in a minute. Here on Office Hours and now back to the stimulating conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Hopefully you are not mailing a letter at the moment. And you're, if, or if you are, you're still listening to us. Uh, welcome back to Office Hours on 88.1 WRFL, Radio Free Lexington. I'm your host, Sarah Schutze, and here with Ernie and Tony. We're talking education abroad and Shantou, China. When we left off, Ernie, you were talking about the many disciplines, many different kinds of departments that students would be could be involved in that would be and they would be attracted to your your program to Chanteau. Um, 
got me thinking, what if someone wanted to go on an education abroad program, knew that a, a travel abroad it, program was in their cards, but didn't know what exactly they, they uh, wanted to do or where to go, they could come to your office? What, what would a student do in that case? Well, well, thank you. The the process of of choosing a program or understanding how education abroad works um, can seem pretty daunting. Mm -hmm. That said, we uh, have done our best to to clarify that. A couple things that we do, and perhaps maybe step one for an interested student out there, would be to come to one of our daily information sessions. In fact, the next, one, oh. the next one starts in 25 minutes <laughs> in 207 Bradley Run, Hall. Run, don't walk. And <laughs> we call these sessions first steps, information sessions. And at those sessions, we talk about the process of selecting a program, the process of, uh, of applying uh, scholarships, and these types of information. It's, a, it's a, a broad information session conducted by students who've actually studied oh, abroad. Oh, okay. Step two might be to come to our resource center on the third floor of Bradley Hall. That's the building with all of the flags on the outside. (laughs) Just come to the third floor, and there's a resource center staffed by about 25 peer advisors. So these are students who have been trained um, to work as peer advisors, and these are students who have also studied abroad. There, in the resource center, one can meet with a peer advisor one-on-one and really talk in much more depth about their particular interest. Now, one of the first questions that we would ask um, to a a student coming into the resource center is, what is your major? We don't advise based on location, necessarily. We wouldn't ever say to a student where you want to go. Uh It's really not important to us about where they want to go. It's more important about what it is that they're studying and what are their career directions after graduation or their educational directions. And so we have created a map or a major advising Hmm. page for every major Hmm. at the university that wants one. For example, if a student comes in and we would say, what is your major? We would, and they say, well, I'm a political science major. We would actually have a map there. It's a four-page document. These documents are also available on our website. And there on that document, it explains the particular uh, aspects of being a political science major or a biology major or, or whatever the major may be and which programs might best align with that particular major degree plan. In some of the maps, we actually also have a pathway which maps out the four, year, the four years, the eight academic semesters, about when a student should study abroad, what courses they should take abroad, and the map actually aligns to those courses. So really, we've done a lot of the work for, for most students, and that is not to think about where, but what, and use the map to help guide that decision-making process. Now, most students will also say that, you know, I really don't have time for it. Well, the maps and the pathways help to remove that and help students to start planning for their time abroad. So even if someone wasn't necessarily ready to do a program now, they could come and and plan that program later on or look, look, be looking ahead. Well, and I would certainly recommend that, yeah, too. Okay. Uh, we, we know here at UK most, uh, well, that students who participate in an education abroad program are more likely to graduate and are more likely to graduate on time than students who don't study abroad. Really? Now, that said, we know that many students who study abroad are also very, very good students. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so that's, that's very important to keep in mind. But that said, by looking at the pathway, working with one's home department, and, and mapping that out, one can select a program that really makes the most sense. For example, some students say, I really want to go to Barcelona. 
Now, Barcelona is a great city. Mm -hmm. I love going to Barcelona. But if the program that's offered there doesn't offer anything in one's academic major or an internship or some sort of research opportunity, why are you going to Barcelona? Mm -hmm. That that wouldn't be a smart choice necessarily. Mm -hmm. That would be a trip, not a program. It would probably be a trip, (laughs) and trips are far cheaper Uh to do. Uh Okay. And what if they? What if someone doesn't have a major? in mind yet what if they're still undecided could study abroad a good time a good thing to think about well so I've been told that many students uh, will use education abroad to help narrow their academic focus and actually some students come back and change their major I'm afraid uh, because they've they've explored a discipline that they may have not have considered before or study or seen something abroad that they may not necessarily be exposed to here so that does happen makes sense okay that's not our intention of course but right so let's switch gears just a little bit. Um, Ernie, your course title is Shanto China as an Urban Planning Laboratory Toward Sustainable Design. And um, would you talk to us a little bit about the sustainability challenges in Shanto? Sure, um, absolutely. Um, the experience of, of going to a, a large southern city is, is something that really um, throws up to you a lot of the challenges that... Um, uh, China needs to experience in moving from economic development of a very high growth rate mm-hmm. to, sustainable, to sustainable development. Uh, I've already mentioned the uh, issue of traffic and, and transportation. Uh, that's for the first time uh, student uh, going to a uh, Chinese city, uh, probably the first thing that, 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 that smacks them in the face. But uh, there are so many other things that um, uh, need to be uh, looked at uh, and that over a period of time you begin to be exposed to. Uh, for one thing, uh, you can, you, as you look at, uh, at uh, Chanteau, what you will find is uh, an admixture of the new and the old, the modern and uh, the uh, more, more primitive. Um, smack dab in the middle of, of, uh, uh, of Chanteau, uh, amidst these huge towering buildings, is old Chanteau. Uh, an area that is in uh, woeful decline. It, it appears mm-hmm. that the urban planners uh, are uh, assuming that uh, they don't need to do anything until it deteriorates and collapses, and then oh, it wow. becomes simply uh, a resource for uh, uh, making that area more modern. Yet there's a kind of austere beauty to it, and a, a student uh, from the humanities going there, uh, a, an architect, Uh, I think Mm. would be immediately um, uh, impressed with the possibilities of of developing a kind of sustainable design for this uh, in order to preserve elements of tradition and heritage that the Chinese believe to be very important. Just outside of uh, Shantou is Guiyu. Guiyu is one of the the major centers for e-wastes. Uh, and there have been a number of uh, exposés on uh, 60 mm-hmm. Minutes and, and other um, uh, frontline and other uh, news-oriented uh, programs that uh, have, have talked about the enormous dangers that, uh, that flow from this. Uh, this then leads to the issue of, of, of sustainable agriculture. You've got a population of 5 million, most of whom are uh, d- in, involved in small businesses or manufacturing, or in the case of uh, Chanteau, toy, toy, uh, toy manufacturing. Mm. Uh, they, they need to eat, and uh, the food 
uh, is oftentimes suspect, as, as is the water. So uh, the, the issue of, of sustainability really presses itself into that, uh, that experience of, of, of going to this city and, and, and learning about it and trying to tackle these problems. That's great. I was wondering what uh, what old chateau, um, what what is the fabric that kind of makes it up? Is I mean, it's a port town. Was it like kind of as a fishing center? Was it um, kind of what did it kind of yeah. contain? Ch- uh, uh, chateau was uh, the really the first um, trade uh, uh, post uh, for the West uh, that was um, uh, was. Uh, Worked out uh, after the the Opium Wars, and so that that part of mm. Chanteau is uh, very close to uh, very close to the water, and uh, it has it has a, a, a very distinctive uh, architecture. Uh, it it remains the homes of uh, uh, of, uh, of homeless people uh, who squat in those areas and. Uh, one can't but worry about uh, their their longevity, given the uh, the state of uh, of those particular uh, buildings. And yet, they, in another sense, it's a, it's a, it's a cultural museum. And uh, right now, as I mentioned, the, the local officials seem to be engaging in what we would call uh, in hash marks uh, benign neglect, because they're. They know that it's going to be extraordinarily expensive, uh, expensive to deal with, and um, as a result, uh, they uh, are doing nothing until it just collapses, and then they treat it as land uh, and uh, uh, adopt very modern techniques for rebuilding. Well, as the title also has the word laboratory in it, so mm-hmm. there's the the way the uh, laboratory is a space for experimentation and study that has application outside of itself. So how will students apply what they're learning and studying there, here, mm-hmm. or in other places that they may Yeah, have? I'm hoping we get a lot of students from uh, the social sciences uh, in particular. Um, uh, one reason for this is that uh, in my trip uh, uh, just a little over a week ago, I sat down with urban planners and to a person, they were all engineers. Now, mm. engineers... Uh, engineers have blind spots. They think that every problem can be solved by technological means. Uh, and the, the one, um, mm. the one uh, development that we did look at, which was the East Coast uh, development, uh, was daunting in its scale. They were using mega engineering techniques. Um, they have a wall that uh, uh, exists between the land and, and the sea. And I asked someone, had they taken the precautions to deal with rising sea, sea level? And they said they, said they didn't need to because the wall will be strong enough. Oh. Uh, I, I could not but think of the experience of the levees in New How Orleans. How could you not, right? And uh, yeah. since, yeah. since the land is about 20 to 40 feet below uh, the, the, the sea level right now, uh, once there's a, a breach in that wall... Uh, that whole area is going mm-hmm. to be exposed. I'm hoping that if we get both human, uh, humanities students and, and social scientists uh, uh, signing up for this, they'll be, at, they'll be able to add new dimensions to uh, sustainable design that will go further than just this engineering mentality, which we experienced last week. Fantastic. 
On that note, we'll take a short break. Come on back for more Office Hours in a minute. And one more track from uh, the students and teachers of Shento Opera School. This one, Lions Play With Balls. Who's going to argue that? Who's going to argue it? I'm not going to argue with a lion. If he wants to play with the ball, let him have it. And now for our final segment here on Office Hours. Those are great titles. I love those titles of those those songs. Sure, they play with with balls, of course, and it should also be titles of music. I think Absolutely. that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Welcome back to Office Hours. In our last few minutes, talking with Ernie and Tony about um, the trip to our program um, in uh, Shantou, China, and some other just all things education abroad. Um, Ernie, you were talking before the break about the the impact of the sustainability element of of this amazing program would you talk more about um how students will will deal with that every day what maybe tell sure. us what an, a day sure. will look like for students um it's it's already pretty much cemented uh in a schedule okay i'll be teaching uh the course on wednesday afternoon and friday afternoon and terry buttonhorn will be teaching on a tuesday thursday schedule uh, this this will mean that while students will be uh, involved four days of the week in the afternoons uh, with instruction, uh, there will be uh, lots of opportunities to uh, go down downtown uh, to uh, work as teams uh, to partake of a, uh, a a university campus that is in many respects not really much different than the University of Kentucky. Um, uh, thankfully, at UK, uh, South Limestone is becoming the, the place of the buzz where people will go, will tend to gravitate uh, while they're uh, during their leisure hours. Uh, at uh, Chanteau University, there's Eastgate. Uh, Eastgate is a very interesting um, uh, hodgepodge of uh, restaurants, of uh, like uh, something like 7-Eleven marts, uh, <laughs> uh, and... Um, uh, little grocery stores. Uh, they're a place where people tend to gravitate uh, during the noon hour and, 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 uh, and afterwards. Um, uh, there's a very, very fine uh, library. Uh, cost just about the same amount as uh, uh, a young library. Costs about $65 million. Uh, mm. There are uh, cafeterias that uh, sell uh, Chinese food for um, you know, a dollar, a dollar and a quarter, which gives you a pretty filling, uh, filling meal. <laughs> and uh, if you're inclined to uh, play basketball, um, you'll find that there are probably six or eight or ten courts right on on central campus. Uh, it's 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 a, it's a little bit of a distance from the downtown. You'll have to take a bus or a taxi, mostly a bus, uh, most likely a bus. But um, it 